You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. If you will, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. It's page 979. If you don't have your own copy of Scripture, page 979 in your pew Bible. You know, church, for almost a century, our culture has been obsessed with sneakers. More than just something to wear on your feet, sneakers have become a status symbol, and for many people, an essential part of their style. It's no wonder why it's grown into an $80 billion a year industry. Now, I've personally never been obsessed with sneakers, but I will admit that growing up, there were certain sneakers that I that were on my, let's just call it my must-have list. Now, it doesn't mean that I had them, but they were on my list nonetheless. For example, the Reebok Pump. How many of you guys remember the Reebok Pump? It, it, you could, this ages some people for sure in this room. Some of the college students are like, what is that thing? Well, this is the greatest shoe ever made that I never owned, the Reebok Pump. See, right on the, little, on the, on the tongue, there was a little pump. And, uh, and basically what it did was it pumped, and, um, and it was amazing. See, it was actually this built-in internal inflation mechanism that was into the shoe. So you'd pump that little pump, and you could believe that you could fly. Well, unfortunately for me, I never flew because I never owned a pair. This brings me to the next sneaker on my must-have list, Jordans. The Jordans. How many of you guys own or owned a pair of Jordans? Okay, like three people. That's cool. We're in good company because the only thing I'm going to say about Jordans is that all of my rich friends owned a pair and I didn't and I am not bitter. (laughs) Moving on in the 1990s, LA Gear came out with the very first battery powered sneakers with flashing red lights. You guys remember these? I mean, they're all over the place today, all different brands, but LA Gear started uh, the trend with the little flashing lights on the bottom, and you were not cool if you didn't own a pair of these babies. Needless to say, I was not cool. (laughs) However, well before these sneakers, there was one sneaker that dominated the shoe industry in the 1960s. One sneaker that laid dormant for years, but was reintroduced in the 1990s, when a whole new generation witnessed a young baseball player named Benny Rodriguez put them on and outrun a dog referred to as the Beast. One sneaker that was scientifically proven to make you run faster and jump higher, the PF Flyer. And church, I'm happy to say that of all the sneakers mentioned today, I own and I'm currently wearing my own pair of PF Flyers. See, you better be careful this morning because I'm, I'm going to be running fast. I'm going to be jumping high with today's sermon. That's as cool as I get, folks, the PF Flyers. You know, our culture's obsession with sneakers is obviously way out of hand, like way out of hand. However, that's not to say what we wear on our feet is unimportant. In fact, quite the opposite is true. Friends, we spend a considerable amount of time uh, each day standing on our feet. And so therefore, we'd be wise to wear shoes that provide good comfort and support and stability. Otherwise, we're going to end up in a lot of pain. Well, in many ways, the same is true when it comes to our spiritual lives. You see, each day presents itself with a new set of spiritual battles that we must face. Battles that require us to stand firm 
Therefore, we'd be wise to wear spiritual shoes that provide good support and stability and help us overcome the attacks of the enemy. Otherwise, we're going to end up defeated and in a lot of pain. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Well, this morning, as we continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to look at the third piece of armor in our spiritual arsenal. A piece of armor that's designed to help us stand firm when facing spiritual attacks. And it's through our study we're going to be reminded of this important truth. The peace of God gives us edge over the enemy. I mean, even that last song that we sang, I don't know about you, brought peace to my soul. Even before I'm coming to, to preach this morning, there's something about reminding ourselves of the truth of Scripture and the peace that God gives to us, which gives us edge over the enemy. And so we're going to look at, we're going to unpack that a little bit uh, this morning. So let me just pray, ask God's blessing on our time and his word, and then we'll, we'll begin our study. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to jump into your word and continue this amazing series. And Lord, I pray today that I would get out of the way of your Holy Spirit, that I would not quench the Holy Spirit's work as I speak. Lord, that as we listen to your word, that none of us here would quench uh, your Holy Spirit, that we would receive what it is you would have us receive today and leave here closer to Jesus than when we arrived and more equipped for battle as well. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, church, one of the reasons why we chose to do a sermon series on the armor of God is primarily based on our last sermon series in the Sermon on the Mount. You see, each week the Sermon on the Mount provided us with new principles and practices for godly living. And as we prayerfully considered what to do next, we recognized that, man, those who choose to engage in godly living will inevitably face spiritual attack. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You see, if the enemy cannot take away a believer's soul, then he's going to use everything at his uh, disposal to break a believer's spirit and take away their effectiveness. Dr. Tony Evans noted, he said, Satan can't keep you out of heaven, so he tries to make you experience hell on earth. And it's for this reason that we decided to teach through the armor of God. Because the armor of God provides everything that we need to combat the enemy and live victorious, God-honoring lives. However, just like any other piece of armor, it's only effective if we put it on and use it. And so before jumping into the next piece of spiritual armor, for context purposes, let's once again read through the entire passage in Ephesians 6, and then we'll break it down. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Follow along with me in your copy of Scripture. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, church, as most of you know, the term spoiler has become more and more prevalent in our entertainment-driven society. You see, a spoiler is basically a description uh, of a TV show or movie that reveals key details of the plot and uh, that a potential consumer was not intended to know beforehand. This includes the climax, the ending, any special surprises uh, along the way. Most recently, if you you didn't see the new Spider-Man movie, like... The whole thing was like avoid the spoilers because there's a lot of big surprises. When a big blockbuster movie comes out, they want you to avoid the spoilers. And so you see more and more headlines online with, you know, spoilers ahead or spoiler warning. They kind of warn you in advance if you're going to read an article. Now, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I like to read the spoilers because I want to know what's going to happen before I get there. Because you know what? Life is stressful enough. And so if if I know in advance that the good guy wins in the end, I'm much less stressed when I see the good guy getting into trouble in the middle. You see, knowing the final outcome makes all the difference in how we respond to trouble. If you're a 49ers fan, if you just knew what was going to happen at 11 o'clock last night, you wouldn't have stressed out the whole time, right? If you're a Packers fan, eek. But church, this is especially true when it comes to facing trouble brought brought on by spiritual battles. You see, the Bible teaches that spiritual warfare is inevitable. However, the Bible also spoils how the war is going to end. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 and 37, it reads this, Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, which we will, or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death in verse 37? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Spoiler alert, overwhelming victory. Some other translations say we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. You see, despite the inevitable troubles that we're going to face and despite the many battles that we will fight, We already know the final outcome. The good guy wins in the end. Overwhelming victory is ours. Therefore, knowing this truth, we should respond to trouble by following God's orders and trusting him to give us the victory. In fact, that's what putting on the armor of God is all about. And so this morning, we're going to study that third piece of armor of God. It's called the shoes of peace. And in doing so, we're going to learn three ways that God's peace gives us victory over the enemy. You ready? He is. (laughs) Let's begin. Number one, God's peace provides readiness for battle. God's peace provides readiness for battle. Look again at verse 15. Paul wrote, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In 2010, Oklahoma State receiver Des Bryant had his pro day workout in front of several high-profile spectators. However, he forgot to bring his most important asset for the day, his cleats. It was reported that he ended up wearing a pair of brand-new shoes which had not been properly broken in. And as a result, his unpreparedness caused Bryant to slip several times, and it degraded his overall performance. Now, we all know it all worked out for him. 
But still, football cleats are designed for premium traction and stability. They help you maintain a firm footing. They're vital to success on the football field. Well, in many ways, the same is true when it comes to the shoes of peace. They're designed to give you and I spiritual traction and stability and help us maintain a firm footing that's vital to success on the battlefield. You see, in Paul's day, many ancient battles were fought hand-to-hand -hand and foot-to-foot. -foot. So having firm footing was critical to victory. In fact, even the best soldier knew that regardless of what armor he was wearing, if he lost his footing, the enemy would destroy him. And so that's why a Roman soldier's shoes were uh, custom-designed to have excellent traction. You see, having thick nails cut into the soles of the shoes, a Roman soldier was able to stand ready and secure when the enemy attacked. He wasn't going anywhere. So when Paul used this phrase, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, it's a call to, for you and I to prepare ourselves for battle by having our feet firmly planted into the ground so that when the enemy attacks, we can absorb or even avoid his blows. And this, of course, begs the question, what exactly is the gospel of peace? That's all great words, but what does that actually mean? What does that look like? What gives us traction and provides us readiness in the midst of battle? Well, I'm going to explain that, so thank you for asking. So, first and foremost, the gospel of peace is primarily a reference to the peace that we have with God at the moment of salvation. You see, to have peace with God means that you've been reconciled with him. In other words, your sin no longer separates you from him. Let me show you what Romans 5, 1 and 2 says. It says, therefore, since we have been made right with God, or right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. I love the way the NLT puts it, undeserved privilege, where we can now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You see, the moment when someone admits they're a sinner and repents of their sin and receives Jesus as their Savior, they have made peace with God. And in doing so, they're given the gift of eternal life and they can rejoice in knowing that one day they're going to go to heaven when they die. Friends, this is a critical, critical gospel truth to cling to when we're facing attacks of the enemy. You see, no matter, we talked about this a little bit last week, no matter how hard Satan pushes, no matter how hard he accuses us, if you're a believer in Jesus then you have the blessed assurance that the enemy can do nothing to take away your peace with God. He can do nothing to take away your salvation. And so church, this truth in and of itself should give us enough traction and stability when the enemy strikes. However, in addition to having peace with God, which is such a blessing, undeserved privilege, man, oh man. Just to have peace with God is amazing in and of itself. But in addition to that, there's also this special peace that believers receive from God 
that provides readiness when facing life's many battles. Look at John 14, 27. This is Jesus. He said, he's talking to his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. His peace. A story is told of two painters. They were in a contest where each said they could paint a picture of peace. And the first painter painted this beautiful sunset going down over the calm water. And it all looked very nice, and the picture had nice calming effect. And then the other painter painted a picture of a storm. And in it, the sky was dark, and there was lightning, and there was thunder, and dark clouds rolling overhead. And the picture showed waves crashing against the rocks and just portrayed chaos everywhere. However, in the corner of that painting, at the very bottom, there were two big stones with a bird in the middle of them. And the bird was singing. Church, this is the type of supernatural peace that God provides for us. A peace that provides this calm assurance of his presence even in the midst of calamity. A peace that enables us to be still and know that he is God even as the arrows of the enemy are being shot our way. A peace that does not fluctuate even when outside influences or circumstances are desperate or dire. A peace where God's calm overrules our concerns. How many of you want that kind of peace? Say serenity now. say that (laughs) oh but church wouldn't that be a blessing and it's like I question it like I talk about it as if it's unattainable or something right and so and 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 we if we're really honest and we start we start asking ourselves this question there, there are times in life where we're going through these rocky moments and and intellectually we believe that that the Lord can give us this peace but experientially, we haven't received it. Friends, I'm just here to tell you that God will give this peace to those who ask of it. It's literally God's peace available to us. We just have to ask for it. How do I know that? Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. The Lord said through Paul, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, asking, and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what's the result? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, like the birds singing in the storm, this this unexplainable peace, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All this to say, unlike the purchase of expensive sneakers or cleats, the shoes of peace, the peace that we have with God and the peace that we receive from God, are available to you and I free of charge. We just need to remember to take them out of the box and put them on before we go out onto the field. 
And this leads us to the second way God's peace gives us victory. God's peace provides resiliency in the battle. Resiliency. Look at John 16, 33. Again, this is our Lord Jesus speaking. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have what? Peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Church, in nearly 4,000 years of recorded human history, our world has only experienced approximately 268 years where humans have been at peace with one another, which is about 9% of recorded history. The rest of the 92% was in some way, shape, or form tainted by war. In other words, as sad as it might be, war is normal and peace is hard to come by. And the same could be said when it comes to our spiritual battles, except for one key difference. Even though spiritual warfare is very much normal, God's peace is abundantly available to his people. The phrase take heart means to have courage in the face of danger. It's not the absence of danger, it's a call to have courage in the face of it. As followers of Christ, when we put on the shoes of peace, it gives us the courage and resilience we need to move forward in our battle against the enemy. You see, a Roman soldier's shoes, they weren't just designed for stability. They were also designed for agility. In other words, they're designed for movement. Just like cleats, the thick nails in the soles were strong enough to maintain a stable position, but they were light enough for a soldier to move and change their position and advance toward the enemy. A good Roman soldier knew that if he stood in the same position for too long, he'd likely be killed. And so therefore, his ability to move freely was vital to victory. Well, the same is true when it comes to fulfilling our Christian mission. You know, Warren Wearsby, uh, great, great commentator, he, he said this. He said, the problem with the church today is that believers are standing still. They are not willing to move from their position. However, you don't wear shoes to stand still. Shoes were designed for walking and for running. We wear the shoes of the gospel not just to stand our ground, and, but to have, a, have the firm footing and the mobility that we need to respond to the tactics of the enemy. Church, we're talking about spiritual battles, but let's not forget the primary reason why we are in a spiritual battle in the first place. God gave us a mission. Our commanding officer gave us a mission to accomplish. The enemy does not want us to succeed in our Christian mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. You see, by its very nature, our mission cannot be fulfilled by standing in the same spot. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, therefore, stay. He said, therefore, what? Go. Our mission requires movement. And not just movement anywhere. It requires to go behind enemy lines and engage in warfare. And once we're in the enemy's territory, he's going to use every clever tactic he has at his disposal to jam us up and prevent us from being effective witnesses for Christ. 
In fact, the Apostle Paul recognized this when he asked for prayer at the end of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He said, finally, brothers, pray for us. He said, pray for us that the word of the Lord may, be, may speed ahead and be honored. As it happened among you that, that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith. And then he says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Church, putting on the shoes of peace is important because wearing this spiritual weapon helps us overcome the attacks of the enemy. And it keeps us resilient and unwavering in our mission of reaching people with the gospel. Simply put, if we don't wear these shoes, we're not going to make it very far on the battlefields. And this leads us to the third way God's peace gives us victory. God's peace provides reassurance through the battle. Reassurance. Look at Romans 16.20. Read this with me. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Church, a story is told of a father who was trying to teach his son about perseverance and the importance of not quitting. And so he said, son, you got to hang in there and you can't quit. Look at Abraham Lincoln. He did not quit. Look at Thomas Edison. He did not quit. Look at Winston Churchill. He did not quit. Then he said, look at Elmo McCringle. And the son said, wait a minute, Dad, who is Elmo McCringle? And the father said, see, he quit. <laughs> Church, when the going gets tough, where there seems to be no hope, people often throw in the towel way too soon. Let me encourage you. If you're in the midst of a spiritual battle today, perhaps even feeling like you're on the losing end of the battle, maybe you did get knocked over by the enemy. Maybe your feet weren't firmly as planted as they needed to be. Don't give up. Keep holding on and trusting in the Lord. Oswald Chambers said, perseverance is more than endurance. It is endurance combined with absolute assurance and certainty that what we're looking for is going to happen. Church, we're all looking for the same thing. Victory. Victory. And as we've seen throughout our study up to this point, not only just this morning, but over the last few weeks, God will be faithful to provide it even when the battle looks bleak. In fact, Paul reassures us that there is going to come a day when Satan will be crushed and our days of spiritual warfare will forever be behind us. But until that glorious day, we got to figure out what it means to persevere and be patient in waiting on the Lord. And I think the key to figuring that out is actually found in Colossians 3.15, where Paul wrote this. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Rule. Now that word rule means to govern or to arbitrate. One commentator noted that it's closely related to being an umpire. You know, the job of an umpire is to declare things for what they are, right? In fact, the whole direction of a game is determined by the calls of the umpire. 
Well, the same is true. Listen, the same is true when it comes to God's peace. Church, when we allow God's peace to be the umpire of our hearts, our whole life is determined by its calls. And remember this. The fix is already in. The fix is already in. No matter what happens during the game, no matter how hard the battle might be, at the end of the day, if you're a believer in Christ, you're on the winning team. The calls go in your favor. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to get attacked. That's n- that doesn't suggest you're not going to get knocked down. That could happen. That probably will happen. That's part of the battle. We've got to remember, the baseball game is nine innings. The Christian life is, it's a, it's, it's, it's a life. And so when the game is called, you're on the winning team. So let me encourage you this morning to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts today and keep marching on toward victory. The words of the treasured hymn come to mind. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe, forward into battle, see his banners go. At the sign of triumph, Satan's host doth flee, And then, Christian soldiers, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver at the shout of praise. Brothers, lift your voices. Loud your anthems raise. Friends, if you need God's peace today, if you need to claim that victory, then I want to encourage you to to claim it and to ask the Lord, And whatever it is that you're wrestling with, whatever battle it is that you might be facing, that's why we're here. To bear each other's burdens and to encourage each other and to most importantly, get right with God. Realign our lives back to where God wants us to be. And so if you've got this just overwhelming sense of anxiety or lack of peace, the Lord says, bring it to me. Don't be anxious about anything. Come to me. Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Ask the Lord. Give it over to him this morning. Ask for his peace, and he will give it to you, because he stands by his word. And this leads us back to today's truth to remember, the peace of God gives us edge over the enemy. And so we need to to have his peace rule our hearts. Now, as I close, it's important to remember you cannot experience the peace of God unless you've made peace with God. We talked about that earlier on, peace with God. In other words, you need to make sure that you're saved. The Bible teaches that God took the initiative in pursuing peace with us. It's not us pursuing peace with him really initially. It's him pursuing peace with us. He took the initiative by becoming a man in Jesus, living a perfect life and dying on the cross, taking the punishment for your sins and mine upon himself. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. We sang about that. And in doing so, he provided the only way for you and me to make peace with him, to be saved and to receive eternal life. So friend, if you haven't made peace with God, 
than as it stands right now, you certainly cannot receive the peace of God or receive peace from God for your battles. But worse than that, you're not saved. And you're going to go to hell when you die. And you'll, for, you'll have an eternity of anxiety. Never-ending anxiety. Well, let me tell you, all that can change this morning for you. You can make peace with God and have assurance of eternal life by acknowledging that you're a sinner, by repenting of your sin, which means changing your mind or direction, and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. There's nothing on planet Earth that's going to give you more peace than knowing you have eternal life. Nothing. But then it goes on, whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. You don't want God's wrath remaining on you. So friend, if you need to make peace with God, you can do so right from where you're sitting this morning. Simply by praying in your own words something like this. It's just acknowledging before God, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness and I believe in Jesus Christ as your son. And I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. And so this morning I want to trust him as my savior, follow him as my Lord. I want to make peace with you today. And so I believe Jesus is the only way for me to be saved and I trust in him and him alone. Friend, if you make that decision, if you ask the Lord to save you, if you trust in Christ and Christ alone, you will be saved. So if this is a decision that you need to make today, don't leave here without making it. In fact, I want to encourage you after the service to come forward. There's just some packets here of very simple information. We have a Gospel of John, kind of a question book that goes along with it to help you get started on your journey with Jesus. Just come up and grab one before you leave. Get started on the right track uh, before you leave this morning. But if you need prayer this morning, if you'd like to come forward and pray, uh, either during the closing song or after the closing song, I'm going to ask a few of the elders and their spouses to be on standby. They'll be up front here somewhere. In fact, I'll ask them to come forward during the closing song so that if you need prayer, uh, you'll be able to come right up to them. They'd be more than welcome to, or happy to, to be able to pray with you over whatever it is you might be going on, whatever might be going on in your life. At this time, I'd like to invite the praise team to come forward. In fact, I'll invite the few, a couple of the elders and their spouses, if they wouldn't mind coming forward as well, um, kind of hanging out up here in the first row. That would be super helpful. I didn't really tell the elders they were doing this, but, you know, that's how I roll. Appreciate that. We got uh, Steve and Joanna uh, up front here. They're right over here. And, and Tom and Charlene as well. And so if you guys need prayer, come, come, come up front and see them after the service or during the closing song, and I'll be happy to pray with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this morning and for the opportunity to, God, just learn a little bit more about your peace. God, this is a study that, that Lord, we can go on forever with because to understand and experience your peace is just, there's so many, unla- so many layers to unpack and and God, I thank you that, that you've allowed us to, again, work through this series, the armor of God, to equip us and enable us to get through our daily battles. Lord, help the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts today. Lord, if there's anyone here that needs to make peace with you, that needs to be saved, Lord, do not allow them to leave here without making that decision for Christ. 
Lord, if there's anyone here that needs prayer, that could just use some prayer of our, of our elders and their spouses this morning, just praying over their lives, I pray that they would come forward as well and just take up uh, that opportunity. Lord, most importantly, as we prayed before we started, I pray that we would leave here closer to Jesus than when we arrived and more at peace. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.